This evening our scripture lesson is from the Gospel of Luke. Perhaps you're using uh, the New King James there in the chairs tonight. It's on page 695. Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7. If you have your own Bible, that's wonderful too. We'll, be at, we'll begin at verse 36. We're being reminded in these sermons here in January that we need to go back to, remember last week, God who is at the center of his work of getting the gospel out. We saw that in the life of Jonah last week. God is at the center of all things in the preached word. Uh, Tonight we'll be giving focus that indeed it's the matter of the church uh, zeroing in on the Lord Jesus and from him having life and strength to carry out a ministry of hospitality to others. But then next week, we'll be looking at prayer. So the work of the church and missions, the work of the church and hospitality and thinking of others and their needs in this passage. And then the work of the church with with regard to prayer and committing ourselves to pray that he uh, be in our midst and show himself powerful in our midst. Luke chapter 7, verse 36. This is the word of the Lord. Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house, and he sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil, and stood at his feet behind him, weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears, and wiped them with her hair, the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And so he said, Teacher, say it. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they had nothing with which to repay, He freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he he forgave more. And he said to him, you have rightly judged. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss. But this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore, I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this? Who even forgives sins? Then he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. This is the reading of God's word. Let's pray. Oh God, we ask for heartfelt devotion to know the Lord and to serve the Lord with every manner of strength that you, oh God, would provide. Be with us now, we pray, for your rich blessing your help and your strength, indeed all of your glory and all of your majesty and might, the wonders and the beauties of our Savior, the Lord Jesus. Lord, you would minister to us. We'd be your servants. 
we would learn and we would grow. Bless us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Early on in this chapter, you have the evidence that the living God of heaven and earth is now, has now visited this world, visited this earth. In the early part of the chapter, you have the sick who is healed, and that's the commanding officer's servant. A little bit later, you have this widow at Nain, and it's her son. Remember, there's this funeral procession going on, and Jesus comes alongside, touches the boy, and raises him from the dead. Here you have little lessons that God is visiting the earth. A little bit later on in the same chapter, John is wondering, John the Baptist is wondering, who is this one? And Jesus tells him, tells the servants, you go back to John and you tell John that indeed that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the dead are raised. You see, this is the ministry of Christ. And these stories are like little video vignettes. They're like little video trailers, you might say here. Here's a foretaste. These little stories are foretastes of the last things brought into the present time. When will the dead be raised? That's on the last day. When will the sick finally be healed? That's on the last day in God's very presence. But our God has entered this time and he is bringing from heaven things uh, to the earth here that are all heavenly. The kingdom of God is in our midst. This is heaven brought to earth. Now, Good Shepherd Church, I want you to see that context. Heaven brought to earth. And it's in that context that we now start to think about hospitality. This story that's before us here, beginning at verse 36. Let me ask you as a way to begin. Do you see the ministry of hospitality out of your own home? Do you see the ministry of hospitality elevated way up, way up there as part of God's visitation? Would it cross your mind that your open heart, your open home, is an open heart and an open home where God is coming to visit others through you? Christ has gone to the cross. Christ has been buried, Christ has been raised, and Christ has given his spirit. He ascended back to the Father's right hand and then poured out upon the church his spirit. You are now united to the living Christ, and thus there is a ministry of heavenly things, elevated, lofty, glorious, elevated things, such as biblical hospitality. And heaven is being imparted to those in need. Do you see yourself? Do you and your wife think of yourselves? Do you think that when you minister with, you know, you, you get together with four or five other folks and you open your home for ministry, do you see yourselves as those bringing heaven to earth? That's what Jesus is doing. Let's take up here for a few moments some of the lessons here in mind. We're going to look at Jesus in the first place, in that he doesn't see categories of people when it comes to hospitality. He doesn't see categories of people. And then secondly, and again, looking at Christ, he places hospitality in a particular context that really truly builds incentive. That's a long one, I know. I'll say it again. 
He places hospitality in a particular context that builds incentive for carrying out that very ministry of hospitality. It builds incentive. Let's take up the first one. He doesn't see categories. You see, these are lessons where we take a look at Simon this Pharisee. And there are two sinners in this story. One's Simon the Pharisee and one's an unnamed woman. And they both have particular needs. And even though Simon is to be the host at the table, it's Jesus who steps in. Look at verse 39. He has stepped in to this whole relationship with this woman in that he's, he's going to this woman, he's receiving this woman's worship and adoration. Uh, he's indeed drawing near to this woman, and Simon is not. But at verse 39, now when Simon, or when the Pharisee who invited him saw this, he spoke to himself saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is, who is touching him, for she is a sinner. Jesus is on a mission of welcome, but Simon is placing this woman in a category. There are times to be sure, congregation, there are times to be sure where we need to be discerning. There are times where we need to know about differences. There are times when we might say that, yes, I know about that person's background. But those differences can readily then dismiss the matter of love. And soon we have a distance with those that are around us. And soon we then put them into a category. And then soon what? We become critical of such ones. Simon doesn't see the woman. Simon sees a sinner. And then he becomes even critical of Jesus. If this man were a prophet, he would know. But then jump on down to verse 44, and you see Jesus approach to Simon about these things. Verse 44 he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house, and you gave me no water for my feet. Watch the contrast now. But she has washed my feet with her tears, and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. You see, our Lord draws in Simon. And our Lord pierces here with his word. He's peering into Simon, knowing him, knowing his inner man. Simon, do you see this woman? He didn't see her. He saw a category, sinner. He could not see her because he had put her in a box. And Jesus is about ministering and reaching and extending his compassion. It's our God who comes to earth. All the nations are his. And maybe she's, a, some Bible expositors say, maybe she's an unnamed woman here. Simon's name, the Pharisee. But she's an unnamed woman because Jesus is coming for her, for his, for his church, the bride. And maybe being an unnamed woman, Jesus is here, is receiving this one. Why? Because the church, his people, they know their sins. They know their condition. And he is here to minister, minister even as he's ministering to Simon, correcting Simon, piercing into Simon's heart. Do you see this woman? He didn't see her. He saw her in a category, but Jesus is this one who's ministering. I can't help but think of an illustration out of my own life. Uh, when I first started to study the Bible, I did so with Lutherans. That was in a 
one of the branch sister colleges in the University of Wisconsin, up in, up in Wisconsin. But I started first to study with Lutherans. And then later with some in an independent Bible church, and the independent Bible church had a big influence on a campus Bible study that I was a part of. Then a bit later, I went to Bible college. That's out in Portland, Oregon. I went to Bible college out there. And that's where I started really to learn a lot more at Bible college. And I learned there that there are all kinds of brothers and sisters, all kinds of communions and denominations and fellowships and groups and associations. And then I also learned about Presbyterians. And I also learned that there are Reformed Presbyterians. And then I started learning a bit more, and I found out that there are truly Reformed Presbyterians. And you see, I'm one who's been well-discipled in this whole matter where I began to get very self-conscious about who's around me, what their theological background is, what religious affiliation they might have, and I have the tendency uh, to forget what really unites us. If someone's a professing believer and they love the Lord and they love his word, you see, I have a tendency to forget those things, and I start to see categories of people. And I start to see people being, and I put them in a box and begin to treat them that way by an ill word or some distance in the heart or distance in the heart that leads to distance in life. Jesus is one to readily accept this woman. And he further instructs us. Look at verse 44. I entered your house, Simon. You gave me no water for my feet. And she has washed my feet with her tears. Simon, you gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Simon, this is hospitality 101. <laughs> and you get an N on your report card, needs improvement, right? Right? See, Jesus breaks through the distance, and he enter in, enters into the lives of people. So, good shepherd, let me ask you, do you see categories? Is that your default position? Is that sort of where you, where you gravitate? You see categories. You see boxes into which we put people and place them. I've thought a lot more in, in just recent weeks here, really since, since really around the Christmas time and we're doing our Great Wood Sings here and thinking now into the new year. Mark, it's one thing to be able to befriend a stranger, maybe to greet that stranger. It's altogether something new then to have more frequency to meet that stranger once again that might be someone who might be a new friend greater frequency to see that person. And again, it's something more to not only meet someone for the first time, begin to get a, beginning to get acquainted with them, but then also moving more forward to where there's actually a greater frequency to where there's now a, a, casual, a casual relationship beginning to bud there. All I'm suggesting is that through prayer and through activity, my point is befriending, cultivating, learning, growing there, there are opportunities that abound. But it'd be very easy for me at the outset, just on the very surface of things and the first glance of those around me to be dismissive. 
And so a lesson like this is here is Christ Jesus, our very God who comes into this world, our very God who pursues sinners. And Simon the Pharisee, the righteous religious authority that he is, is remaining doctrinaire. This man knew who this was, right doctrine. Indeed, if he was a prophet and knew who this, this woman was, uh, he would know that she indeed is a sinner to categorize, to filter through, being very distant, dispassionate, doctrinaire his approach. And Christ is cutting through. But you see the Lord Jesus once again, and oh, how we need him uh, as he's the one to forgive us of our sins. Let's go on to a second lesson here. Christ is ministering. And he places now hospitality in a particular context that builds incentive. Incentive to carry out this ministry of hospitality. There's a particular context where he places hospitality. Take a look with me at these uh, verses here at verse 47. Verse 47 and following. He places hospitality into a particular context. Therefore I say to you, her sins which are many are forgiven. For she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And then those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And then he said to this woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. I want to bring an emphasis here as we think about this context, particularly that Jesus is going to start working with now in this very verse. And that which is going to be building incentive for us to carry out a ministry of hospitality. I want to emphasize that some people have misunderstood this verse. And they thought that what Jesus is saying is that our love for him and our love for others is the basis upon which we're forgiven. Watch those words again. Therefore, I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much. Some have taken this as a basis upon which we are forgiven. It's a way to obtain forgiveness. And the key word here in verse 47 is the word for. Therefore, I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much. For. This word for can be used in two ways. It can be used in two ways. We can use it to signal that which expresses a cause or a reason for something in the sentence. Here's, here's an example, a cause or a reason. He won the race for, because he was the fastest. But we also use it in a second way. It's to express evidence, evidence about something in the sentence. Here's one. He was exhausted for, the evidence is, he fell right to sleep. He was exhausted for he fell right to sleep. It's evidence of exhaustion which leads to the falling to sleep. Jesus is teaching here that this woman's love is evidence of her forgiveness. Her sins, which are many, are forgiven. And do you want to see evidence of this forgiveness? She loved much and there's more to reinforce this point there's more to reinforce this point that she's not loving in order to obtain salvation she's demonstrating love 
as evidence of salvation. There's more to reinforce this. Look at verse 50. At the end, Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. That brings clarity for us. Salvation is not obtained by works of love, but by faith, by trusting. Faith in whom? Trusting in whom? The good news is that Christ has come. He takes our place. He lives our life that we cannot live. He goes to Calvary's cross to die for our sins. We place our faith in him. But there's even more reinforcement about this particular context of forgiveness. Look at the parable. Go back up to verse 41. More reinforcement that she's not about obtaining salvation, but indeed she's demonstrating love to evidence the saving faith that she has in Christ. Verse 41, there was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he, for, whom he forgave more. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. The parable does not say that the two owing money to the lender earned the forgiveness of the debt. Neither one earned, neither one deserved it. This cancellation of the money that's owed, you see, it's that which is freely given. They had nothing with which to repay. He freely forgave them both. There's no way they can repay. And so this lender freely cancels that which is due. So what is Jesus now teaching them? Love flows from the free act of the cancellation of what is supposed to be due. This woman in Simon's house had been aware of her being one who is undeserving. She's on the receiving end. She's undeserving of forgiveness. She's on the receiving end of forgiveness. And that's the truth. Any forgiven man, woman, boy, or girl, who is aware of the gift of forgiveness before an all-holy God is going to be called then into love and worship and devotion and service. Forgiveness before an all-holy God leads to that reckless abandon of love. Love is then poured out generously. You talk about a canceled debt, and that brings lively, generous abandonment of love. And this woman is loving because she was aware of the reality of her sin and equally aware of Christ's love to forgive her as a sinner. Redeeming love, complete forgiveness that was all hers. A clean conscience, a heart troubled over her sin. It was all removed from her. He tells her, your faith has saved you. Go in peace, peace, peace. A troubled heart over her sin, go in peace. A guilty conscience, go in peace. That was all, you see, removed from her. Let me ask you as we close, what is forgiveness based on? What is forgiveness based on? What is forgiveness with our... All holy God, what is it based on? Is it God deciding to turn the other way? 
Is it God saying, well, you know what? I don't see sin being all that important after all. God couldn't, God wouldn't let sin go. It's at the cross when Jesus died that God is saying sin must be atoned for. The punishment must be carried out. See, at the cross, God is saying sin is serious. It must be punished. But at the cross, God is also saying, here is what I've done about your sin. My gift to you. So no matter how deep, how entangling, the cross is the place where sin was paid for, where it was punished. The debt has been canceled. And what a wonderful place from which we serve. Christ takes that particular context, forgiveness. The power of sin removed. The penalty of sin forever gone. It's condemnation, it's guilt. The troubling of the heart that we have. Here I go again in my sin. All that's been removed in the sense that God is just and the justifier. What a wonderful place from which we serve. Friends, do you ever think about opening your, opening your home up in that you get to offer hospitality? You get to show God's visiting grace and power and love to others. You get to. God is enlisting you. He's cleansing you of your sin by the grace and the love of Jesus. And because of that cleansing power, you're now deployed into such service with that liberty and freedom and generosity and opportunity. We get to show the love of God to others. Again, Luke 7 is about God's visitation to earth. That's what the crowd says. The crowd says, God has visited us this day. And in that light, what will you do in Christ Jesus by his spirit to show his visiting power and love to others? May this new week, as we have opportunity to see others, pray for others, minister to others, say, Lord, you come and manifest your power and manifest your love. Our Father, it is all too easy to turn our gaze downward uh, toward ourselves and with our own schedules and our own circumstances and to take our eyes off of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is so easy, O Lord, to forget of the high and lofty summons placed upon our lives that Jesus Christ is Lord of heaven and earth And the forgiveness bestowed is the wonder and the marvel of the heart and life, Lord, that we know by your grace. Would you take us and transform us? We pray that you would continue your your ministry in our midst by your word and by your spirit, showing us, O God, that we indeed are your ambassadors. Um, May our homes be embassies, places, Lord, serving Christ, testifying of Christ, making his witness known. Uh, Places, Lord, where there's hospitality, 
and the caring for those with needs. Be with us now, we ask in Jesus' holy name. Amen.